A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know you are a truthful man, and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin, and he said to them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Children for a children's home. Anyone under the age of 12 want to come up? We have brave children here today. Or we're going to pass on the children's homily today. Okay. Nobody's forced to do anything here. Okay. So, let's talk about this gospel passage. This is an amazing thing. There's a, there's a trick at play here that you kind of have to understand um, the different factions at work in Israel at the time. So you've got the Pharisees and, and the Herodians. These are two different factions in Israel who, who hated each other, by the way, because the Pharisees were strict obeyers of the law. They believed in strict obedience to the law of Moses, to the Torah. And among those things is you're not allowed to give any kind of gift to a pagan god or an idol. And then you've got the Herodians. Now the Herodian, uh, the, the first Herod, was, uh, was half Jewish and he paid Julius Caesar, the first Caesar, a great deal of money to be appointed king over Israel or Judea at the time, Judea, Galilee, Idumea, all those little uh, Roman provinces that we now think of as the nation of Israel. But he was not a Davidic king. He had no right to uh, the throne of Israel, but he just bought it from Julius Caesar. And so uh, their allegiance was not to God, but to Rome. They were their allegiance was to Rome. So the Pharisees and the Herodians were always at odds with each other. And one of the things that they were odds about is the Pharisees said you could not give, you could not pay tax to Caesar because the, Caesar claimed to be a god and that was idolatry to pay tax to Caesar. The Herodians, though, in league with Rome, they said, no, you must pay tax to Caesar because, you know, he is your emperor. And so they were always at odds to that. Well, they come together, they, gang, they, they come together as a unit, because as much as they hated each other, they hated Jesus more. And so they come together to come to Jesus with this question they are convinced is going to trap him. Because if Jesus says it is lawful to pay tax to Caesar, then the Pharisees 
will accuse him of idolatry. And if he says it's not lawful to pay tax to Caesar, then the Herodians are going to accuse him of being a traitor. They think they've got him. They come to Jesus with this question, is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? And you can hear the exasperation in Jesus's voice. He must be thinking, I'm coming here to help you. I'm here, I've given up heaven to become human so I can be in your presence and to teach you who God is and what God is like. And why are you get involved in these pet trying to get me involved in these petty arguments and then of course he answers the question in that great that great way that's actually a principle for our lives and that is give to caesar what belongs to caesar and give to god what belongs to god you know there are many places in scripture that we can learn these magnificent principles that guide our lives. Think of the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. He's, he's actually sold as a slave down in Egypt, but he has this gift of interpreting dreams. The Pharaoh has a dream. He has, sees five fat cows and next are, next are five skinny cows, and he doesn't understand it. And Joseph, understanding the dream, says, well, that's because you're going to have five good years, and then you have five bad years. And then Joseph gives us a principle to live by. He says, Save money during the good years so you won't run out during the bad years. I mean, that's a good principle for all of us, right? We can understand from the scriptures all these marvelous principles, and Jesus gives us one here today. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. You know, we live in this world, and this world makes certain requirements of us. Well, we need to have a job, we need to make money, we need shelter, we need a, a car, we need food. I mean, there are things about this world that are the world's requirements of us. And among those is paying taxes. Now, I remember reading a story a few years back. Someone decided he didn't want to pay all of his taxes, so he only paid half of them. And his argument was that God was his partner, so God owed the other half. That didn't work for the IRS. Although if you, another time, someone got really upset about the amount of taxes he had to pay. He thought he had to pay too many. And so he decided to pay his taxes in pennies. And he got a dump truck. He filled a dump truck full of pennies, drove it down to the treasury office, and unloaded a dump truck full of pennies. And the the government took him to court, but he won. Pennies are legal tender. <laughs> you can do that. You can pay your taxes in pennies. Although I wouldn't recommend it. There are a few organizations you don't want to be on the wrong side of, and the IRS is one of them. They'll find a way to get even, believe me. But this is a part of life. Going to work, paying your taxes, Functioning in society, this is a part of what life is. But it's not all of life. Caesar gets what is Caesar's, but God gets what is God's. And what belongs to God? Our heart and our soul, our faith, 
our devotion, our moral compass. These are the things that are given to us by God. These belong to him. God places his light, his spirit in everyone who comes into the world. He creates us in his image. We are, in a sense, a self-portrait of God. Not that God looks like us. It's not that at all. But he's created him, uh, in us a spirit that is eternal that we, so that we can live with God forever. This is God's. Our hearts, our souls belong to God. Now, I think it's a little humorous that the Congregation for Divine Worship manages to stick this gospel right in the middle of an election cycle. Here at a time when all of us are trying to decide which candidate is going to be best for our country, which political party or our political platform is, is best to solve the problems of our society. And we have no doubt tremendous problems in our society. And if you're wondering which one really is the best, I'm going to share with you my opinion, okay? I know everybody's been waiting to hear my opinion. Nobody asks. But I understand you want to know what I think, and this is what I think. There is no political solution. The problems that face our country, the problems that face our society, have no political solution. We obviously have seen within this last year, another resurgence of racial discrimination. And there's a tremendous problem with racial discrimination in our country. We all know that, don't we? Does anybody think we can fix that by passing more laws? It's already against the Constitution. How many more laws do, you, do we need to realize the laws don't work? You cannot change people's hearts by passing more laws. The solution that we need for our society is a conversion of our culture. We need a conversion in our culture away from greed and anger and malice to giving ourselves to God in love and in truth. We need a conversion of our culture. A lot of us have become very concerned about the direction of our society. And I am too, quite frankly. I'm concerned about the, like, the direction of our society. But here's what I've discovered. I remember, I've lived long enough, I remember the 60s. Some of you out here are old enough to remember the 60s. And, and it was a time not unlike this one. There were riots. There was dissension. There was division in the country. And in fact, there were people talking about revolution. In fact, I think the Beatles sang a song about that. But what happened? God did something unexpected. He poured out his Holy Spirit in revival on the people you would least expect. The hippies. You know, and... and in the, in the late 60s, the hippies were like all over the place talking about revolution and, you know, and just, and then in a few short years, they had changed their attitude. 
they discovered that the revolution had already taken place and the leader of the revolution was Jesus. A revolution away from the materialism that they can, and the authoritarianism that they saw in the world to living a life of love and grace and caring for one another. And they began, they called them Jesus people. Do you remember the Jesus people? We used to sit out in the parks and play our guitars and, and sing songs about Jesus. And the world changed. The world changed. God did something unexpected. Well, I think I just admitted to being having been a Jesus people, didn't I? <laughs> you discovered my secret. You've heard me play the guitar. <laughs> God is able to transform our society. He is able to bring conversion to our culture. And that's not trying to change people's minds, change people's opinions to our opinions. It's not trying to make people act like us or live like us. It is like having us all realize, hey, we're in this struggle together. A lot of times we want to think we're the ones who are right. Only God is right. The rest of us are trying to struggle to find our way through life the best we can. And that's why there must be no judgment among us. No judgment at all, because we're all trying to find our way. But if we come together and work to find our way together, if we spend our life pursuing truth and acting in love and being accepting of one another, then we can move forward and pray for conversion of our culture. We need to convert our culture from a culture of death into a culture of life. You know, Bishop Johnson sent a letter to all, everybody in the diocese. I got one, you got one. Everybody got Bishop Johnson's letter. And I understand that it upset a lot of people. They were concerned that Bishop Johnston was so, so strongly pro-life. And, and, and there were a lot of Catholics who struggled with that position. But I want, I want to explain this to you. And from a Catholic perspective, being pro-life is not a political position. It's been the teaching of the church since the first century. It's just, it's one of the teachings of the church. And it's my responsibility, it's the responsibility of every priest and of the bishop to, to explain to you what the teachings of the church are. It's not our responsibility to change your minds or to make you think the way we think. No, but in the epistle of Barnabas and in the teaching of the 12 apostles, both documents from the first century, the apostolic era, Abortion was condemned, and the desire was to create a culture of life. But that's, that's just Catholic teaching. That's not a political position. So I'm not telling you how to vote, but I'm just explaining to you that this is what the church has, been, has believed from the beginning. But there is a culture of death at work in our society, where when we disagree with people, we believe that, that violence is an acceptable way of trying to express our disagreement. That we want to enforce ourselves on others. We need to convert our culture into a culture that respects the life of everyone. Every person. Respect their life and honor them. We need a conversion of our culture. 
Now you've heard me talk about truth and love a lot, and, and I've talked about it many times over the last several weeks. And so today I'm gonna to explain to you why. This is what happened to me several months ago. I was awakened in the middle of the night with a vision. And the very opening of this vision was I watched 12 million people be murdered. That's a lot of people. Most of you know I'm a combat veteran. It's not like I haven't been around death before, but it was a shocking thing to see 12 million people killed in an instant. And as the vision went on, I began to, to see actions that our country took that led up to that massacre. And I'm not gonna go into those details now because I don't wanna be accused of, of making any kind of a political statement, but in the end of this, I asked God, what, what can we do? And God said this, he said, pursue truth and act in love. Pursue truth and act in love. Now those are interesting because when God gave his name to Moses, remember Moses said, what God are you? Who are you? I don't know your name. And God says, I am. That was his name, I am. That God is all and is in all. In him we live and move and have our being. God is. And there is no place where God is not. But then God further defined himself with two key words in Hebrew. The first word was, is chesed. And chesed is a word we don't really have an exact equivalent of in English but it means love, mercy, kindness, goodness, grace, compassion. In other words, God is saying, my heart is towards you. I am here to love and have mercy and compassion on you. And the other word God gave to Moses was emet, which again, a bigger word than we have in English. And it means truth faithfulness, fidelity. God is unchanging. He never changes in his love, compassion, mercy, and kindness towards us. And so when God says to me, pursue truth and act in love, he is telling us to become godly people, to become people who bear the name Christian because we live in this life as Christ lives in us. We are the voice of God in the world. We are the life of God in the world. And when our culture needs a conversion of heart, we need to con a conversion of our culture, we are the ones that carry God into the culture. And again, not to try to enforce our opinions, but in truth and love, bring conversion so that we all pursue truth together and act in love. And pursuing truth is a tricky thing in this day and age because our world is so complex that it's a lot of times it's difficult to find truth. I assure you, you're not gonna find truth by watching the news, no, I don't care what, pro, what station you watch. We can only find truth by seeking God in his Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into our own hearts convert our own hearts so that we can carry that spirit of conversion into the world. 
giving up our opinions and pursuing the truth that God gives us. And God will speak to us. God will show us the way if we humbly come before God and surrender our opinions and say, lead us by your Holy Spirit. What do we do? How do we, how do we bring about this conversion of the culture so that our culture will be built upon truth and love and not upon personal opinion or racial bigotry or greed or malice or all the things that we see at work in our society today. We pray. We pray. Because this is what God promised. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and forsake their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land.